You know how important it is for building muscle, but how much do you need? When do you consume it? And how do you get enough of it to reach your goals? In this episode, we're answering your protein questions and highlighting the biggest questions people asked in our Protein Pals accountability group. Get ready to gain some knowledge muscles. You're listening to the Average Climber Podcast. All right, I just saw Caitlin yawn, and I'm gonna I gotta wake this bitch up. So, Caitlin, <laughs> bitch needs a nap. <laughs> no, you need this fun fact that I am about. It's gonna knock your socks off, and that pun <laughs> will make sense in a second. Okay, okay, ready. Um, Caitlin, how familiar? Have you ever had a concussion? I actually don't think so, but nice. I know many people who have. Yeah, same. I, despite the number of slams that I have taken in my life, especially on skis and even mm. on longboards, uh, I have not. <laughs> Josh has seen many of them. He's commenting in the little text chat. Um, <laughs> as so we many. record this, so many. But you know what? I've never been concussed. And you know who else doesn't get concussed, Caitlin? Who? Woodpeckers. And you would think that with all of their slamming against, you know, they peck, right? They go, knock, 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 knock. Uh, Josh put a sound effect. You know, set woodpecker noise. Please edit a woodpecker noise in here. I want it in there. Um, just put it right here. I, we're all pausing. Great. So, so woodpeckers actually, to protect their brains while they are pecking, their tongues wrap around their brain stop yeah it's wild so they wrap their tongue around the back of their brain so it gives their tongue somewhere to exist and it helps the bird stay uninjured during high speed pecking also we've really been on a now that i'm thinking about it we've really been on a bird fun fact pair here (laughs) and i'm not apologizing wingspan is still a great game average birds (laughs) average birds so isn't that fun i (laughs) <laughs> I I think I'm just trying to stitch together in my head how one has learned this, how they have decided to scan a woodpecker's brain to be like, ah, yes, and the tongue recedes to the back of the, the skull. Got it. Yeah, you're Don't right. Understand. I am wondering how they uh, how they uh, figured that one out. But I guess people have been picking animals apart. For like a while, so for science, wow. for science, and now we know. So yeah, woodpeckers don't get that concussed. Why are uh, birds look it up. Every- so weird, mysterious like, and wonderful. Do yeah. you mean delightful? Delightful. Yeah. I mean, weird can be all sorts of themes and categories, but I also feel like the amount of bird facts that we present are presented because birds are fucking weird creatures i mean (laughs) they did they started out as dinosaurs and then they just got weirder as they went right so that's that's where we're at anyways hello (laughs) hello everyone hello listeners welcome you're listening to the average climber podcast i am lauren i am a certified personal trainer and climbing coach and this is my lovely co-host caitlin who i hope is slightly more awake now (laughs) i am (laughs) <laughs> yes, I'm. I think I'm going to be stuck on this loop for a while, but I'm here. Again. We're doing it. I We're got recording. her tongue tied. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Josh is shaking his head. Man, I yep. just see Josh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now we're this. we yeah. We've had a bit of a break with uh, Josh being because we've been recording in person, but yeah. now now but we're now, back to closet recording. separately and the the gang's back together though the gang is physically apart but yes so welcome um i'm so excited today we are 
talking all about protein. So a while back, Caitlin and I ran a very cool little 14-day accountability group that honestly kickstarted my whole nutrition ambition for the spring, which is pretty fun. But in this accountability group, it was all about protein. It was called Protein Pals, and we had over 70 people tracking their protein intake daily and learning a ton. And so we took questions that were asked in our Protein Pals group and also over the Instagrams and compiled a protein Q&A episode. It's going to be sweet. Um, I'm going to be, I will be directing the questions to Caitlin because most of them are Caitlin questions and Lauren, (laughs) Lauren asked them questions. So it's going to be, it's, that's, Yep, and that's a technical term, kids. Um, but before <laughs> before we get into that, we do have a testimonial of the week, and this is from one of our mutual athletes, Kelly. Kelly was in Breakthrough, our group program back in 2022, and she had a 12-week custom nutrition plan from Caitlin, and she also had a 12-week training plan from me. So this is what Kelly had to say about her experience working with Caitlin and I. She said, it's been really great working with you both. Even though I was youngest in my climbing age, I always felt empowered and included, and it's because of the culture of the program you have both created. Thank you for all the stoke and giving me a great new foundation to build on. So thanks, Kelly. Aww, Kelly was yeah. awesome. I love we loved with Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> Kelly is great. We love everyone. But yes, realistically, so that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why we work with them, right? So in any case, cool. Okay, Caitlin, are you ready for some Q&As? Let's get to protein. Let's talk about protein. You got to say protein (laughs) like that. Also, we're recording this podcast on like International Women's Day technically, and maybe we shouldn't have done that, but we did. So protein is an empower. Actually, go on. Also, today is um, National Dietitian and Nutritionist Day. No way. Wow. It's your day. It, and here it you is, are. Although I added the nutrition piece because the government says only RDs are celebrated. So oh, here we rude. are. <laughs> That's so rude. I'm celebrating you today. Thank and you. Not I'm just celebrating me too. <laughs> I love it. I hope you go. I'm going to celebrate Women's Day with some wings after this with Josh. Women so. wings. Wow. Yes. Uh, like you're going to Hooters, but all right. Welcome. We're keeping it fast and loose here on the Average Climber Podcast. Let's <laughs> let's dive in. So our first question is from Amanda. And Amanda asks, if I lift weights two days a week, run three days a week, and have two rest days, do I need to bump up protein intake on the quote active days and lessen it on the quote rest days? And is a Rocco on Instagram asked a tangential question. So I'm going to loop that in here too. He also asks for, or this for, I can't remember. Actually, I don't remember. Is a Rocco. Yes. Yes. Individual. He. Okay. You remember. Okay. Perfect. So I need to put the pronouns next to people's names. So anyways, is a Rocco asks ideal dose of protein per hour on training versus rest days. So I figured this was a good time to talk about both questions. So Caitlin, fire away. (laughs) I got it. So this is a good question because I think oftentimes people feel confused or even conflicted about active versus rest days. So what I can say to this is that your protein and your calories can largely stay relatively the same, even though day to day your your calorie needs may shift a bit. It's okay to keep your calories fairly consistent, whether it be a rest day or an active day. So it is really a common misconception. I would say that your macronutrients especially need to change between your days. But if you find that the daily increase is challenging or even the decrease is challenging, Maybe you could add some variation. So maybe, for example, increase protein intake after your workouts. And this would be a really great time, you know, that 30 minute to two hour window after your session concludes to help support recovery, make sure you're getting enough uh, of your body's desired tools to help that recovery process uh, along the way. But I tend to recommend more of that consistent approach over that variability, but this is really a personal preference. So Mm -hmm. the 
value of staying more consistent is that it's one less thing to have to worry about. And you're a busy athlete. You got lots of stuff going on. You don't need to think about the variability and you can make really small changes on training versus rest days. But if you're hungrier on rest days, because you just, you know, lifted a ton Mm -hmm. of weight the day prior, you probably could eat eat. more. Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I know it's like, oh my God, my hunger cues are gaslighting me. No, they're not. They're They're, real. Thames is real. So yeah, Yeah, that's kind of, I would say like where I'm at personally as an athlete, and I am saying this as I'm like actively working very closely with Caitlin on my nutrition right now. It seems to me the pattern that I'm personally noticing is like, I will keep my protein pretty constant and then my carbs might fluctuate a little bit just based Mm. on if I'm having like carb snacks with exercise as much versus not, but like not by a lot. It's almost just like, that's at least what I'm finding. So yeah, Mm -hmm. in a nutshell, um, yeah, to to Caitlin's point, you need protein every day so that you're consistently getting what your body needs to recover because on that rest day, that is when you are recovering. So protein then too, you need it all the time. All Sweet. Of the, all of the times. All Love of it. the times we need protein. So yeah. And also then you can just keep it simple. Be like, this is generally the range of protein I want to be in and then try to hit that every day. Simpler than being like, when I'm sort of active, I do this. And when I'm really active and I do this. And then when I'm less active, like that's a lot. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> that sounds much. like a lot. I guess the time, I will say one thing here that does add some, you know, variation to what I just said. If you have a really intensive training season or performance season versus mm. like an off-season maintenance where you're not either mm. PRing or, you know, pushing your absolute limits, that's maybe going to change, but it's not changing day to day. It's like more season like, to season. Exactly. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. yeah. But some people kind of stay the same year round because they might have a different sport they train for or prioritize. So it just really depends, but you have to be open to that fluctuation, I would say. Nice. That makes a ton of sense. Sweet. Shall we move on to the next question? Let's rip it. And we, this is a, this is a somewhat combo question between Amanda and Megan. So, um, and I honestly, with my notes, I can't differentiate which Amanda or Megan said this exactly. But in any case, (laughs) this is the question. So I find that my protein consumption is often just gated by how full I get. I don't typically snack unless I'm hungry, but should I be having more high protein snacks between meals, even if I'm not hungry? Curious about strategies to get enough protein without feeling overly stuffed. Vibes. Good question. (laughs) Definitely something tons of people struggle with. So... Yeah, I I think it can be really just super challenging to increase your protein because of fullness. And I find that even with, you know, people who are eating meat, for example, they still also struggle with this. I hear about this a lot from plant-based athletes simply because a lot of their protein sources are so high in fiber. It's a lot of beans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like bean gut is real, but. (laughs) Ew, I hate that. Is that a thing? Do people say that? Is that a term? Nut gut is real, which I hate. I hate that even more. Really hate that. That's gotta go. That's gotta go. But really it's, it's for people who eat a lot of like almonds, for example, and it just sort of sits in the gut and creates a lot of gas. So anyhow, <laughs> that well, is absolutely yikes. Okay, go big, on. Big now. <laughs> <laughs> but I really I do empathize with this. But in my opinion, the best place to start with increasing protein um, without, you know, feeling like you're gated by how full you get is to increase protein at non meal or um, those like snacky times, I guess I'd say basically when you're not typically hungry, this is to include them as a post-workout snack. So like include high protein, protein dense sources of foods as your post-workout recovery snack, because this might be a really good time point to just think in your mind, like, okay, training, protein recovery. They go together very, very well. And then you don't have to consider too like, am I hungry? Should I have a snack? I don't know. It's like this really awkward time (laughs) in the day. But I think that's a really good time point. And I'm not necessarily saying you need to have a protein shake here, though you could. You could also do something like 
eggs or Greek yogurt or mm-hmm. chocolate milk or tofu or pistachios, things like that. So you still want to have your next scheduled meal, but I do think this could be a really helpful place so that you're not like overly hungry, but you're not also forcing yourself to increase protein at specific meal times or snack times when, you know, you might be really, really full. So that's, that's kind of the one side. The other things I would suggest here would be to um, spread your calories throughout Mm. the day. And by this, I mean, you know, consuming your protein at snack time, at meals, of course, as well. But basically the the hope is that no single time point during your, you know, your meals or snacks are overly filling. So for example, I try to beef up. (laughs) 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 Sorry, Josh. We're Uh, really (laughs) just on the bad puns today, like more than normal. This is what fuels me anyway. um, We're like doing it because Josh is here to antagonize him. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we did miss you, Josh. (laughs) Okay, so, but back to to beefing it up. (laughs) I try to increase protein intake around training times, like I mentioned. Mm. So this is, I think, my favorite time, but also pre-bed. So this is... Eating before bed? Won't yes. I get fat? No. <laughs> Big If I eat no. after 8 o'clock, won't I die? <laughs> you turn into a pumpkin. Um, no, that's true. So. <laughs> but I, I really think that the pre, so like post-workout and then pre-bed are good times to get protein because even though it falls outside of what we might consider like a normal snack or meal time, these are really great opportunities to A of all support recovery and then B of all give your body what it needs during an overnight fast when you're going to need that support to make sure that you can recover. So it really does depend. Um, And a final thing I'll say here too is like theoretically, if you are prioritizing protein, your other macros would need to be adjusted too. Mm -hmm. So of course your, your carbs and fats could be adjusted, but you should never increase your protein such that your carbs and fats are reduced so low because protein works most optimally when you are consuming these other macros too. They're all important in their own way, but really in most cases, what I'm trying to say here is that you can likely just increase your protein sources without adjusting your other macros if you aren't increasing them so your protein, I should say, so significantly. So really those small increases of protein throughout your day does go a long way. And generally just as like a final, I guess, thought here is that I tend to emphasize sufficient total calories first and then protein, because Mm -hmm. I think total calories in a lot of cases will outweigh the you know, protein emphasis that we hear about all the time. Nice. Yeah. So like in summary, it sounds like trying to, it's almost like you don't want to just, sounds to me like you're saying, try to set yourself up to not feel so full in a strategic way so that you can get more protein in without just being like, I guess I'm eating another chicken meatball, even (laughs) though I like do not want to. (laughs) So yeah. A client one time say to me, like, I just can't possibly eat all of this protein. And we talked about it. And they said that, you know, like breakfast was really low. And then by the end of the day, they were sort of playing catch up. But Mm. then they were trying to eat like 10 ounces of meat in one sitting. I'm like, oh, my God, of course you feel like you can't consume that much. It's really, really challenging to eat that much in one sitting. And it may not even be that beneficial to you to do that. So I really think spreading it out throughout the day is is very, very helpful. So Yeah, not that 10 ounces, depending on where you are, uh, not that 10 ounces of meat is a lot. I can hear, I can feel Midwestern dads that like steakhouses, <laughs> which is certainly my father. Man, lo- but who doesn't? Steakhouse is pretty nice. You got mashed potatoes, you got ste- whatever. But, you know, yep. I'm aware that they serve 24-ounce steaks there. Do I think that is a lot of meat? And does that sound challenging to me? Sure. But an yeah. athlete that just did a lot of stuff 
the sky can be the limit sometimes. <laughs> so you enjoy your steakhouse if you're going there. Yeah. We are not steak it. shaming here. No, no. But. Yeah. It's just the day to day, you know, whatever's easiest is usually not going to be this like, you know, back ended beefed up time point, literally. So, <laughs> so bad. We got to stop. All right. As a follow up <laughs> question, we have a follow up question from Kate. So Kate asks, um, what if you really can't eat during an activity? Like not just, quote, not feeling hungry, but actually feeling nauseous about the idea of food. I find this happens to me when I'm really working hard outside, like intense hikes or big multi-pitch climbs. I feel that I physically can't force down food. Also, I uh, my present roommate right now, uh, I hear his significant other ribbing him about not eating enough when he goes touring. Um, so I'm also just any, I know this is a real thing and I think this is an important yeah. thing to discuss because it's very real to not want food. Um, Absolutely. So excited to hear your thoughts on this. Katie. Yeah. If, if you truthfully, um, yeah, hit me up friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, when people are like, I just don't get hungry. I'm like, okay, well, there is a reason for this, like many things. And what's cool about this is that exercise actually induces a state of lack of appetite. And that's primarily because it activates that part of your nervous system that blunts your desire to eat. So mm. the harder the intensity or power output, the less hungry you'll likely feel. So it's really not surprising when people say that, but it doesn't mean that you don't need to eat or that, you know, you are kind of off the hook for needing more energy. It doesn't mean that like you always will have enough. It also doesn't mean that you don't have enough. It just means you may not feel hungry. And the reality of that situation is you want to intentionally have these time points when you're eating throughout your hard intensity days. So I do agree here with Kate that protein powder and um, drinking your carbs is hugely helpful. Um, but make sure you get your next meal is kind of the big priority here. And also, um, I guess what I'll say to this too, is that if you also bookend your day with a bigger meal up front, and then at the end of your day could be really, really helpful. And that just means that, you know, if you know that you personally cannot force food down if, you know, even if having like fluids is going to be helpful, um, it could be really important to make sure your front and your back end of your day are at least supportive enough so that even midday, if you don't have a ton of food coming in, you're still kind of like checked out on, on those ends of your day, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think it sounds like drinking calories can be the answer and then just knowing that you might have to play catch up a little bit is yep. is yeah it's going it's on it's not for everybody but i will say to you that if you if that's really all you can do it's better than nothing and that's that's just kind of the the way it works <laughs> yeah i love that all right let's do let's do one more before we go to a break. So this one is from Saboni and Saboni asks, I am unsure about the time frame in which I need to complete the protein in parentheses vegan. So Caitlin, what do you have to say about the time frame for completing proteins? So this is really interesting. I never thought about it like this. Yeah, this is a, uh, also a good question. I don't think any of these are bad. Well, all... we didn't put the bad questions in there. <laughs> we big, filtered them. Big <laughs> so, but I generally suggest consuming these complete proteins in one meal. And if you're here like, what the hell is a complete protein? Go listen to our plant-based episode. I, yeah. won't, I won't spend too much time on that. <laughs> yes. But I, can, I generally suggest having these complete proteins in one meal for no other reason than it's just easier to remember. But the evidence suggest and points to that it's not necessarily as imperative as we once thought that you consume them together in one sitting. Mm. So some of those studies have shown better digestibility of proteins when they're complete, but I don't think this is something that should deter you from consuming only one source of protein per meal. So for example, here we might be talking about 
beans and that could be without a grain or a nut and seed, which would help make those complete. So if you're only consuming that one source, let's say your beans during your meal, that's also okay because if you can consume your multiple protein sources throughout your daily eating window, that's probably okay. And the thing I'll say here too is that the best time to get your protein is when it makes sense for you. So if mm-hmm. you're generally not somebody who likes to combine those protein sources to make them complete, it's it's okay. Um, but I tend to suggest having them at the same time just because I think it's a lot easier to say like, okay, I had this and this, great. Then I had that and that, done. Versus like, oh, did I complete my protein or did I just eat beans all day? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Rock on. No, that is that is super helpful. Cool. And to um, remind you which episodes, if you're a newer listener and you're just like, I'll just listen to the most recent episode, whatever. So our episodes 15 and 16 are our plant-based series. So go Perfect. check those out. If you are a plant-based eater, you will get a lot out of those. Sweet. Well, Thank I you. think we can go ahead and give give Caitlin's uh, brain a break before she pecks herself <laughs> to death, right? So oh boy. let's take a little no, break. No brain licking. <laughs> if you're a climber, you're basically a superhero. I mean, you're walking up walls. Your fingers can hoist your body up on tiny edges. You're getting upside down. You're swinging through the sky. And what do superheroes need most of all? Capes? No. A cool car? No. An exceptionally long and drawn out storyline in which their likeness and brand is repurposed over and over again for the monetary gain of large corporations? Well, okay, also no. What they really need is a theme song. But your theme song has to fit you, right? It has to make sense. So to help you find your theme song, and learn a little bit about the way you personally train for climbing, I made you a quiz. So if you're ready to find your theme song, head on over to the show notes and take the quiz right now. So while many of these questions have been, I guess, more nutrition related, I think this one is one that I would prefer you to answer, Lauren, because I feel like this is more up your alley. So... If that's cool with you, we can dive in. I got it. Ask away. (laughs) (laughs) So this is from Arlene, and she asks, I know that sore muscles the day after a workout are the result of micro tears in the muscle fiber, but is there a relationship between that soreness and post-exercise protein intake, i.e. does that mean, quote, pain, um, mean that protein intake isn't adequate and muscle fibers are not repairing adequately or would it hurt regardless? So what do you got to say about that? Ooh, I love this question. And the misconceptions about muscle soreness are rampant. So I'm going to go ahead and in short answer, yes, inadequate protein intake can absolutely contribute to muscle soreness. Yeah. And Caitlin (laughs) will seal that with a a nice stamp and she will agree with me. But I do want to point out some other reasons why you might have muscle soreness. Um, So delayed onset muscle soreness or DOMS is typically multifactorial, just like any type of pain, right? Pain is almost always multifactorial, um, apart from your leg hurts because you just broke it, right? So that would be just (laughs) probably the one factor, actually. But most of the time... Not in your um, head. (laughs) Not in your head. The pains we feel involve a lot of factors. So your exercise volume your exercise intensity. So if you did more than you normally do, or if you did something that's harder than you normally do it, how well you slept, if you did any novel exercises or movements. So let's say you like went to a new exercise class, you like did a new lift you've never done before. Maybe you worked on some problem in the gym for like a lot longer and it's a weird move and you don't normally do this many mantles but you were mantling away and it was a lot more mantle well you know example so if it's something new or a lot of something you don't usually do that could result in muscle soreness your hydration status your nutrition like we just mentioned and that's overall calories and protein um, as caitlin has mentioned countless times on this podcast um and more (laughs) your stress can also contribute to delayed onset muscle soreness so Lots of 
lots of factors that can contribute to this. So I don't want you, you know, it's it's never a good thing to be like, it's just because of this. That's why I have pain. It's almost impossible <laughs> right. to decide what exactly why. Um, but I want to point out that if you have muscle soreness every now and again, that's pretty normal. That's fine. That's part of being an athlete. Sometimes we push it too much. Sometimes shit happens, right? Like, that's okay. If you constantly and frequently are experiencing delayed onset muscle soreness, then I would highly advise that you look into your exercise, any of these factors, um, but especially exercise volume and intensity, how much rest you're getting, how your sleep is, and your nutrition. Um, as a coach, my goal is always for athletes to not be sore from training. Um, I don't know. The no pain, no gain school of thought Blech. is really <laughs> big, big gross. Um, we are not at, we, we want our training to, we want our numbers to go up. We want to get shit done. The goal is to not be sore. Soreness is definitely not the object here. And soreness does not equal training was good. Soreness means we are under recovered or we didn't do, you know, as best we could have. And we need to like tweak something for next time. Right. Like shit does happen. But if, if soreness is a constant in your life, like something's got to give, because that is absolutely not what we want for you as an athlete. So Caitlin, anything else you want to add there? Um, other than just, yeah, reemphasizing that if this is a, a constant thing for you and you feel consistently sore, it's probably time to either take a nice inward look, do yeah. some, do some check-ins about the areas that Lauren mentioned, and then seek outside guidance if you feel like that would be helpful and mm -hmm. you value that outside accountability and support. Yeah, That's like you got. do not need to be sore after every session. And if you are, yeah. something's got to change. Sweet. Totally. All right. That's my cameo of answering questions. Back to <laughs> asking <it>. Caitlin questions. <laughs> so, Caitlin, next one's for you. All right. This one is from TC Busy on Instagram. <laughs> and this individual asks, when do we need to start adding protein powder instead of just getting it all from a regular diet? This is a great question. Totally. Go ahead, Caitlin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I actually, I feel like I get these all the time. I'm like, Man. I know everyone's like, do I have to have protein powder? And <laughs> short answer, no. no. But the beauty of a protein powder is that it's really easy to add into your day and it's very, very convenient. So if you're someone who also feels like, you know, you can't get all of the protein you need from your foods. Like if you've, you know, done the math, you know how much roughly you want to be consuming, but it's just not feeling feasible. It might be really helpful to include a protein powder and just really for mm -hmm. that, that ease of mind. And also it can help round out your day too. So if you know, like you have that 20 gram gap or so that you want to make up, that could be a helpful time point. But I also want to reiterate here that you certainly do not need to have a protein powder to see gains. And in mm -hmm. addition to that, I think it's important to remember as well that you can certainly get all of your protein needs from food sources mm -hmm. as well. So it's just, it depends on your preferences. I personally will have a protein powder very often because I, I like how easy it is and it yep. helps me kind of round out my day. I think you mm -hmm. feel the same way, Lauren. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. It, so it depends. That's the short of it. Yep. And also I'll go ahead and shout out our smoothie snack break, which was Yay. our episode in the previous week to this one. So check that one out. We talk yeah. a lot about how to work some good high protein smoothies in, but yeah, and protein powders are great, but you don't have to have them. They're just convenient if you yeah. are time poor. So, And the last thing I'll say to this too, is that with protein powder, the best time to consider them if you don't already take them is when you start a new training block or you try to kind of pump up mm. the the intensity. So that'll help yeah. you with recovery. I, I love that. Okay. Next question um, I want to ask is, so this kind of goes off of the, I'm going to transition to this one now because I think it's a good question uh, that kind of gets after the like, protein and training how do we leverage them right so petra cliff's route setting asks i've heard there is a four hour window post-workout to eat protein how helpful is less than 30 minutes versus four hours 
So yeah, what's up with this window? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And is it a door? Like what's happening? <laughs> Why does everyone say window? I don't. I know. Like, are we looking through it like a ghost? Um. Anyway, are we throwing our protein powdered can through it? Like, what's with this? What's with the window? It's a really great, great question. Um, we should look up linguistics for our next. Uh, yes. Fun fact. Okay, so really, what they're talking about with this window is that sort of optimal time to support recovery when your body is in that initial acute phase of that rebuilding process of those Mm -hmm. torn muscle fibers. And really there have been some, this in particular, I'm thinking of a study by Alan Aragon, um, Alan Aragon, and I believe, uh, Schoenfeld as well. And I think this was a 20, 18 review and they looked at the window of opportunity and that sort of time frame and they were trying to understand if it actually is that window of time and what they found is that it's a lot of a bigger of a window than we may have once thought so mm-hmm. it could have been you know up to six hours depending on what our pre and post exercise meals are But I think a lot of people generally say that two-hour window is sort of that sweet spot. For me personally, I suggest having a protein-rich snack right after your workout because you won't forget. Mm -hmm. You can pair it with your training really easily. I know we already said that, but it's worth reiterating. And then in addition to that, when you go to either make your next meal or you have some length of time Mm -hmm. in between, you're not as hangry yeah yeah, also that (laughs) yeah you're you're like ready to have I I would say for me like after a workout I'll have either Greek yogurt (laughs) or a protein shake and then that way when I'm making my next meal I'm not sitting there like oh my god I'm grazing my way through the pantry which is fine but also it makes me feel like I have those extra tools and those building blocks to support that recovery versus having to wait for that next meal. I think it's just a really good sort of like peace of mind, like check that box activity. I agree. Yeah. I am definitely the queen of like drinking a protein shake, like while I am stirring whatever we make. So (laughs) I'm like, I'm just like making, (laughs) yeah. Otherwise I will murder someone. So yeah. And also going back to one of the questions that was answered earlier too, like, if you struggle with getting enough protein in because you're too full or whatever, getting yeah. the protein in sooner after a workout is going to be pretty mm-hmm. major. So, yeah, yeah. good, good so question. Really, the sooner you support recovery, sooner the you sooner start it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of how it goes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, use your time wisely. Sweet. Okay, the next couple of questions. Um, one of them comes from one of my athletes, Megan, um, and then also Isarako making a return. But these are both age related, <laughs> so I'm going to ask them together. Ooh, okay. So Megan asks, how much protein should women athletes over 45 be eating daily? And Isarako tangentially asks, is protein consumption age specific? That's a definitely a really good question, and I've been reading some, lots of things about this recently, and I know we had this question a ton in Protein Pals, mm-hmm. so I think it depends. But what I would say is that largely some of the evidence is that consuming more protein as we get older is important to help support our muscle protein synthesis, because when we're younger you can, there are two things that you need to support muscle protein synthesis. It's eating protein and then also stimulating that muscle. And when we get older, it just becomes a little bit more challenging to make this actually happen. Mm -hmm. So with people over 45, I tend to suggest just a little bit more protein Mm -hmm. per day. Um, And this could even be it's relative to the person, of course, but, mm. you know, if you're consuming, let's say, you know, well, first of all, the RDA, the recommended daily allowance of protein um, is 0.8 grams per pound. And that's just not enough. So, Very low. They yeah, are. Right? They don't know you're doing sports. <laughs> they don't know so, that. <laughs> at this rate, there is some evidence to suggest that it would actually cause protein or uh, muscle wasting. Or, 
sarcopenia. No, thank and you. No, we don't want that. I so need these muscles. Thank without, you. <laughs> I worked hard for them, damn it. So without actually giving a specific amount, I would say because each person is so different, consuming more protein as you get older is going to not only help you maintain your muscle, but also help you support its growth as, as you get older. So I hope that answers that question without you know, getting too specific. Yeah. It's yeah, I'm sure it's hard to give like exact numbers because there are women over <laughs> 45 who are like four foot nine, and women over 45 who are like, <laughs> five foot eleven. So that's right, gonna be different, right. I'm sure. But yep, yep, gotcha, gotcha. Cool. Okay, moving on to the next one. This is from Jason takes pictures. Jason asks, "Is the limit of protein from one source or multiple? Can I have 40 grams of whey and 40 grams of beef in one meal?" Interesting question. That would be a lot in a meal. (laughs) Yeah, it really would. Okay, so the short of it is that it's not necessarily from one source. It's total protein. So if you were going to have 40 grams of whey protein and 40 grams of beef protein, I would probably say that that's, depending on Jason, I assume is their name. Um, But I would assume that that's probably too much for most people. So I think the the recommended amount is something like 0.4 grams per, I'm going to say kilogram. I hope it's not pounds, but 0.4 grams per kilogram body weight per sitting is a specific amount that the body can absorb. So Mm -hmm. for most people, this is anywhere from 20, I'll say like 20 to 40 grams, mm-hmm. <laughs> depending yeah. on the person. That's like the number I've heard tossed around too, where it's like in a sitting, you can like genuinely absorb 20 to 40 grams depending right. on the arms. So, right. So, it's not to say that, you know, if you're having 80 grams of protein as a whole, that your body is just going to be like, okay, I take my 40 grams and I put it on my bicep and then I take this other 40 grams and I poop it out. That's not really what's happening. <laughs> so hopefully it would go to both biceps equally. Jeez, body, come on now. <laughs> I know, I know. Damn it, I can't control it. Um, but <laughs> it's, I think to just kind of round this out, I think it would be not my best suggestion to have that much in one sitting but it certainly would be okay to spread throughout the day. So I hope that answers that. Yeah. Um, but does this, so, and to clarify, so the sources, like you can have multiple sources and correct. the total grams is what matters, not like this yep. much from this source and this much from that source. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's it's more so about the totality than it is the the actual like source of it. But I'm sure there are some some workarounds there. Um, but I would say overall, it probably matters more how much you're consuming in general. Cool. Okay. Last, we will move on to our last question. And this one is from Kenny Byers. And I think this is a really good question too. And this is something I remember being confused about and asking you at one point. So Kenny Byers asks, does collagen count towards daily protein intake, even though it isn't a complete protein? So this is a really great question, and I'm glad you asked it, Kenny. I So let me just kind of back up with collagen. Collagen does contain protein. So I think per, what is it, like two tablespoons of collagen peptides is like 10 grams of protein, which is yeah. like, yay, protein. So overall... It does count. However, protein from collagen is not what we would consider high quality because collagen only contains three amino acids, none of which are considered uh, either essential or indispensable. So this means that collagen does not contain any of the amino acids that our body cannot produce. So basically, even though it does contain a Helpful decent things. amount. Yeah, it, it contains a few things. Um, it's not necessarily as complete as we might want it to be. So it really can't be, it can't replace normal protein sources. So like from, let's say, even beans or mm-hmm. 
soy or beef or poultry and it also cannot be replaceable say like one-to-one with protein powder because protein powder contains all of the essential amino acids where Mm -hmm. collagen just does not so while we can say like yeah I, i have this 10 grams of proteins just take it in mind and keep it um you know keep it there (laughs) that it's not necessarily going to support your goals with protein consumption Mm um yeah (laughs) okay uh no I think I just had a light bulb moment maybe a listener also had a light bulb moment or this will be (laughs) clarifying to someone else okay so I just realized I was like Oh, complete means all the amino acids. I never (laughs) think about this because I eat meat. Duh. Okay, so that makes sense because if you're having like a chicken breast, it has all the amino acids, whereas like BCAAs obviously are branch chain amino acids, but they're not a full protein. So you're not going to count your BCAAs as protein. Right. So I'll actually clarify a little bit further too. All foods, like whole foods, I'm I'm not talking about collagen or BCAAs, supplemental mm-hmm. things like that right now, but all foods contain all amino acids, but mm-hmm. what makes something a either a quality protein or more complete is when they contain the correct dose of specific ah, amino acids. it's like acids. a ratio thing. Correct, yeah. So let's say, for example... I'll say with collagen, yeah, I'll use collagen as the example (laughs) because it doesn't contain any of those specific amino acids that we need for, uh, that our body needs to consume from food Mm -hmm. because we don't produce it. It doesn't necessarily support our muscle growth in that same way we might expect like uh, a piece of chicken to do because chicken contains all of the amino acids in the appropriate dose and that makes it a little bit more high. Well, it actually makes it high quality. Um, things like eggs are higher quality because mm-hmm. they're also more digestible. Whatever we won't, won't get mm-hmm. into that specifically, but that's okay. that's kind of what we're getting at. That's so interesting. Okay, so it's like you got to have all of them in the right. Ra- Isn't that neat? Isn't it cool that? foods organize themselves to make our lives easier that's pretty neat okay and then the complete protein discussion obviously you know i get the that that all makes a lot of sense wow look at that wow it's been a day (laughs) sweet okay well that takes us to the end of our questions thank you so much caitlin for all of your insight on these um anything else you want to tell people about before we wrap things up here Yeah, I wanted to tell people about uh, something that's coming to a close. And at the time that this episode is published, it is ending tomorrow. So yes, one (laughs) more day to do the thing. Caitlin, tell them the thing. So tomorrow is your last day to apply for Bloom, which is a group coaching experience that I co-created with Emily Smith, a friend and fellow CNS. And this is a group coaching experience unlike many others out there. It is uh, focusing on nutrition and lifestyle factors through the lens of women's health. And it is an eight-week program that really is jam-packed with a ton of information about not only hormones, but it specifically goes into lifestyle approaches, um, stress, mental health, gut health, uh, actual what is real detoxification, Mm -hmm. all this good stuff. So So it's not an eight-week juice cleanse. It is absolutely not. (laughs) So <laughs> amazing. Okay. But I love that. This that is end, okay. Yeah. It yeah. ends tomorrow on well, uh, registration ends. Yes. Yes. So. Yes. Registration, your ability to apply ends tomorrow because we get started that next Monday. Amazing. Oh, that's so exciting. I love that. Yeah. Okay. This is like a dumb question, but I feel like I hear this from some athletes and it definitely is disruptive. So like if you are an athlete and your period sucks, would that be a good reason to join something like Bloom, perhaps? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that. Okay. If that is any awesome. <laughs> hormonal symptoms you're confused about, if you feel like the nutrition information out there is not supportive of you and your unique needs, this is definitely a helpful 
helpful, helpful, helpful program as well, just because it's going to give you the information and resources you need. And this round, we're adding some really cool weekly meal plans with the oh. themes to include specific foods from each week. So we're That's really so excited. fun. Wow. Well, Caitlin puts on a damn good group program. So you all <laughs> should definitely do it um, if that is you and you need support with this. So amazing. Okay. Well, we will have the link to that in our show notes if you're looking to apply and i'm so excited for caitlin to be helping more people work on their home that rules okay sweet let's see (sighs) on my end not much to report um at the time this episode is being released i do want to let all of you know that custom plan spots for april and may are opening so if you have interest in those and if you have questions for me you can shoot me an email goodsprayclimbing at gmail.com email is going to be better than dms for me just because my dms get very uh sometimes (laughs) and we can have a better discussion over email um so shoot me an email if you have questions and you can always go learn more about the programs or even snag a spot yourself at goodsprayclimbing.com and we'll have links to that in the show notes too um cool 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 other than that we have a Patreon. It helps us keep running. It helps us pay for Josh to, to edit for us. <laughs> to be here with us. Yes, yeah, podcasts take money, and we really appreciate your all's support on Patreon. It is awesome. Um, yeah, so check that out. Link for that is in our show notes. And what else? Um, leave us a review. That helps us, too. If you're like, I don't have budget right now, but I can leave a review. Leave us a review on Spotify or on iTunes that or Apple Podcasts iTunes. Um, yeah, yeah. How old are you? <laughs> how old am I? Do I have an iPod mini in my backpack right now? I don't Maybe. know what's going on. So leave us reviews. That's a big help. Um, and I think I think that's all that's going on. So yeah. that's just, yep. We're just chugging along. Cool. Cool, cool. Cool. All right. Well, until next time, everyone, keep Keep it it average. It's so hard on Zoom. you feel empowered to make more informed choices around your protein intake. Now I'll close us out with some exciting announcements and our production credits. We are all about preparedness on this podcast. So if you have big goals for summer and fall, the time to start prepping is now. And this is perfect timing because after many months, spots for custom training plans with Lauren are finally open. She's even kicking it off with a bang. Today, March 30th through Saturday, April 1st, you can grab a 12-week custom plan for $100 off. Whether you want to pay in full or with a three-month payment plan, reserve your custom plan spot by going to www.goodsprayclimbing.com forward slash store. Spots are extremely limited, so snag one before they're gone. Do you regularly wish you had more energy, recovered better from climbing, and just felt all around better? Nutrition is the answer. What to eat, when, and why can feel really confusing, but you don't have to go it alone. If you're ready to tackle your nutrition, I'm opening up several spots this spring and summer. Head to www.caitlinholmes.com forward slash coaching to learn more about my programs and what we can do together. The application can be found here as well, but don't wait. Spots fill up very quickly. The Average Climber podcast is hosted by me, Caitlin, and my co-host, Lauren. You can find us on Instagram at the Average Climber podcast for updates on when new episodes are coming out. You can also find me on Instagram at Dirtbag Nutritionist and Lauren on her Instagram over at Good Spray Coaching. Editing for this episode has been done by Josh Hafley. The music for this episode was created and produced by Devin Dabney. The Average Climber podcast is a part of the Plugtone Audio Collective. Head on over to PlugtoneAudio.com to learn more about the other shows on the network. Until next time, keep it average.